Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Good morning and very warm welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And folks, today we have quite a lineup going on. We'll have a little uncup on tail later on. We're going to be having a reflection on Sunday, with Sunday. And we are continuing our 260-day journey through the New Testament, which brings us to Matthew chapter 22 today. And so I hope that you're staying with us and we'll read one chapter a day. And as I said, it's 260 days. And we're now 22 days into that journey. The theme of the hymns that we will be listening to is based on Jesus being the friend of sinners. And so that's the theme of the hymns that we'll be listening to. Then added to that, we will have, of course, our scripture readings and a time of prayer. So much to do, but to get things going, let us begin with the hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the King of Creation, followed by our lectionary psalm, Psalm 111, read to us by Charlize. We're reading from Psalms 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Hello, brothers and sisters. Now is time for our Sunday Reflection with Sunday. When Peter learns that he can only have fellowship with his Lord if his feet are washed, he asks for more. He wants his whole body to be washed. This desire is understandable since it shows how attached Peter is to his Lord. On the other hand, Peter has not yet understood the deep symbolic meaning of feet washing. So he has to be corrected by the Lord yet again. He who is born of water and of the Spirit is bathed in the figurative sense and is clean in God's sight. As far as eternity is concerned, everything is settled for him. He has an eternal relationship with his Savior and Lord. The bath that was once a necessity never needs to be repeated again. It is different with the feet while passing through this world, Christians repeatedly come into contact with 
unclean things. They also personally commit sins in thoughts, words, or actions. So the Lord needs to repeatedly wash the dirt from their feet. The Lord's action on earth at the at that time symbolizes his service from heaven at the present time. He deeply desires that his own should have unclouded fellowship with him. Therefore, he draws our attention to sins and transgressions through his word, the Bible, causing us to confess them to him. We are those set free to consider him and love joyful heart. Amen. Thank you very much. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And folks, we are continuing our journey, as I said, through the New Testament, reading one chapter a day, 260 days. This is our New Year's challenge. And today we find ourselves 22 days into that journey, and that lands us into Matthew and chapter 22. And so we will be listening to the reading of that now in a few moments. But before we do that, let's listen to this wonderful old hymn, Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Then note the next verse goes and speaks of how it is not by us or what we do. It is all a work of God. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite? No. Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. And this is why we celebrate the fact that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Now, we don't like to be told that, but the truth is that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have fallen short of our own standards. And that's why it gives us such joy when we ponder on the words of a hymn like this, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Matthew chapter 22 Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad 
as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites! Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then? that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord. For he says, 
the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And folks, in this section, we're going to have our little cup on tea. And this is a story based on my commuting up and down to Dublin for a few days, but more of that in a few minutes. And the impact that one statement that one of the workers at the train station went and said to me and how then that went and fired my brain and got me thinking about various things. And so I hope you enjoy the journey that I took in regard to that. As we continue to explore the whole theme of Jesus being the friend of sinners. Folks, personal business had me travelling up and down to Dublin for a few days. And rather than drive by car, because I cannot stand going to the big smoke, it's just too much of a hassle for someone like me, I decided that I would commute using the train. Now, I would not be au fait and up to speed and all things to go do with the train. And so when I got there, I discovered that you were supposed to use the ticket in this little gate thing that will go and open the gate and let you out from the train platform and into the station. And of off to do your daily business and here's the thing was that i stuck it in and i wouldn't read it so i just went over to a gentleman who's at the side and he went and he scanned the ticket and he went and beeped and let me through and on i went in my merry way and this happened for a few days every day it would not read the thing and of course i didn't know what was wrong other people were sticking in and out it came on one of the journeys on my return journey i went along the same thing happened and i went to the different man that was there and he went and said just as a matter of interest did you carry your ticket beside your mobile phone? And I was like, yeah. Because I went and put in the little wallety thing and beside, he goes, well, what happens then, you see, is that your ticket ends up being wiped clean. There is no information on it. It is empty. It is wiped clean. I looked at him and I said, well, thank you very much for letting me know that. You all said, did you not know that? Well, the answer is I'd heard about it before, but I would come on. I'd put everything in beside my phone in the wallet because it just ran handy. But here it was. It was wiped clean. Now, excuse the pun, but that just created in me a train of thought. And my brain started to explode because here's the point. This phone has the power to wipe this ticket clean, completely clean. And you know where I'm going with that. That just brought me straight into this thought where it is that jesus christ is the one who can wipe our lives clean one john goes and says this but if we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the blood of Jesus, which is shed in Calvary, goes and cleanses us completely. And that just brought me to where David goes and says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Cleanse me. Renew a right spirit within me. 
Is that our desire? Is that the hunger that's in our hearts? And the next day as I was walking up the platform, I couldn't help but I just had this moment. And the next thing, the, the hymn, old hymn, the chorus came into my mind. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away, wiped clean, washed away. And my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Do you know what is so exciting? What is so exciting is that no matter what baggage, no matter what it is that we carry in our lives, and the thing is that we have to face up to the fact, as the scripture goes and says here, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, the person who claims that they have not sinned is a liar. Therefore, they are equally sinning. And so you may be someone and you're just going, oh, there are things, regrets that you have to have things that you've done to others, thoughts that you've had that are not right. But here's the point. If we come to Jesus Christ and we go and confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us, wipe us clean of all unrighteousness. Yeah. And it's no wonder I could go up the platform the next day just singing in my head, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Saviour made me whole, my sins washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. You know, isn't it interesting how it is that when one of just few words by that fellow went and said, changed just my thinking, and I was just like, wow, this is so amazing to think that when this is brought into the proximity, of my mobile phone, it is wiped clean. And when we come to Jesus Christ, when we come to the foot of the cross, our lives can be wiped clean, washed, purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are blank slate, a new start. And it's only, only that Jesus can do that for you and me. Not positive thinking, not a change of lifestyle or any of those sort of things. Only the person of Jesus can do it. Everything else is only of my own strength. But with that comes a new life. Because after all, did Jesus not come, as he says in John 10, to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly? I hope that you can sing, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross, Jesus has made me whole. My sins are washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down. And glory filled my soul. Is that your song? Tell you one thing, it was my song when I was walking up that platform. And it all started from one of those conductors going and saying, your ticket has been wiped clean. Tell me this, has your slate been wiped clean? Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And today, folks, in regard to prayer, I'm looking at prayers of confession. At the beginning of each year, the Methodist Church has a covenant service, and I really like the prayers of confession that they actually have for it, because it is reflective of who we are in regard to our journey, and how it is that we have failed to be the people of God that we ought to be. Now, I'm not one who is into going and beating myself up or putting myself down, but I think one has to be realistic about our faith journey and how all of us could indeed be in a much deeper place with God. Because 
truth is that many of us, we end up that we are very busy, caught up with going and living life to the full, and God gets kind of pushed to one side. Or we get caught up in our own drama and dilemmas, and God gets pushed to one side. Or indeed we can get caught up in enjoying life so much to the full, and having a blast enjoying the the here and now that God gets pushed to one side. And so what happens is we have a poverty in our understanding and worship of who God is. In fact, one of the things I will go on and say is that the biggest problem is that we actually don't know who God really is. So when we look at these prayers, it goes and says, Let us then seek forgiveness for the sin by which we have denied God's claim upon us. I think that's interesting. God has created you and me. He has fashioned all of us in our mother's womb. And the thing is that he desires to have a relationship with you, to be in relationship with you. And I would suggest that all of humanity fills their lives with all sorts of everything in a bid to try and fill the God-shaped hole in our hearts, so to speak. And so this goes and begins with how we deny God's claim upon our lives. Then a little further on it goes and says, God of mercy, hear us as we confess our sins. For the sin that has made us slow to learn from Christ, reluctant to follow him, and afraid to bear the cross. I would say that all of us are slow to learn from Christ. Just think about it even in this. He went and said that we are to go and to do unto others as we would like them to do unto us. What is it that you'd like other people to do to you? You don't want someone to go and hurt you. You don't want somebody to go and say nasty things about you. You don't want someone to go and do a smear campaign about you. You don't want a person to be telling lies about you. You don't want a person to rob you or steal from you. And so in that regard... What way are we when it comes to our words, thoughts and actions? And indeed, are we not reluctant to follow Christ? You know, isn't it interesting that here is someone who lived a perfect life, went around helping people, and as a result of helping people, it ends up that the the best option that they had for him was to get rid of him. Why is that? Is it because he revealed the very nature of their souls? Apart from the fact that there's the whole element of atonement, etc., and that it was God's purpose and plan, why was it that humanity wanted rid of Jesus? Think about that. But then the prayer goes on to say, For the sin that has caused the poverty of our worship, the formality and selfishness of our prayers. And I just get the sense that this part of the prayer of confession actually ends up showing how it is that we can become so caught up in doing things in the traditional sense, no matter what church we go to, that it becomes rote. It it loses its meaning. It loses its purpose. It loses the significance of what it's about because we become so familiar with it that we actually allow it to become and bring poverty to our worship. We're not truly worshipping the Lord from the heart. We're only worshipping him through what we our lips go and say. As Jesus goes and says, you know, they go and confess me as Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So is that where you find yourself? I stop up and I think, is that where I find myself?
Then there's the misuse of the gifts that God has given us and the evading of our responsibilities. In the book of James, it goes and says, He who knows what is right and does not do it commits a sin. How many times have you had a situation where you've known what is the right thing and still have chosen to do the opposite? So, with all of that said, let's just have a time of prayer where we're going through a prayer of confession today. And so when I say, Lord have mercy, the response is simply, Lord forgive. Lord have mercy, Lord forgive. So let us pray. Let us then seek forgiveness for the sin by which we have denied God's claim upon us. God of mercy, hear us as we confess our sin. For the sin that has made us slow to learn from Christ, reluctant to follow him, and afraid to bear the cross. Lord have mercy, Lord forgive. For the sin that has caused the poverty of our worship, the formality and selfishness of our prayers. For neglect of fellowship and the means of grace, and our hesitating witness for Christ. Lord have mercy, Lord forgive. For the sin that has led to the misuse of your gifts, evade our responsibilities and fail to be good stewards of your creation. Lord have mercy, Lord forgive. For the sin that has made us unwilling to overcome evil with good, tolerant of injustice, quick to condemn, and selfish in sharing your love with others, Lord have mercy, Lord forgive. Have mercy on us, O God, in your constant love, in the fullness of your mercy blot out our offences, wash away all our guilt, and cleanse us from our sin. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, and give us the joy of your help again, and strengthen us with a willing spirit. And we thank you, Father, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, to all who truly repent, this is your gracious word to us. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Thanks be to God. So, folks, let's leave it there for this week. Thank you for joining me here on Heartlands on Midlands 103. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show you grace, and turn his face towards you, and give you peace. Amen. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands.